Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. I think that when we talk about kindness, I think all of us would probably put ourselves in the category of being kind. Maybe we've met someone who has blessed us with immense kindness, has revealed a kind nature to us in the moment in which we needed it so desperately. And it has forever impacted us. And when we think of kindness, we can't help but think not just of that moment, but of that person. Sometimes we've received acts of kindness, and we've never even known who it was that we could actually thank, who it was that we should just be grateful for. And yet we struggle with being kind. We know that kindness is one of the ways that God describes the fullness of His presence in our lives. In the scriptures, it's described as the fruit of the Spirit. It's the evidence of a tree that gives good things to those around them. It's like when you're a good tree, you have good fruit. And when you go to that tree, you are nourished by it. And God looks at us and says, I want you to be like that. And one of the things that I want you to possess and one of the things that I want you to have is kindness. And yet we struggle with this, especially when things are not going our way. I think it's easy to be kind when things are in our favor. It's difficult to be kind to people who are not kind towards us. It's in those moments that we actually can reveal what measure we have within us. It's like weighing ourselves. And I believe that when we are purchasing things by the weight, it's important that the scale be accurate. I don't think anybody enjoys being ripped off. And when you're going to buy something and purchase something, what you don't want is for the scale to be weighted against you and for the merchant. And the scriptures talk about how this would happen. And and God says, I want you to know that it's not just those weights that you need to be worried about. It's not just people trying to rip you off. I want you to be concerned about your life. And he says that I want to weigh you. I want to put you on a scale. I want to measure what your life looks like. I want to see how you're able to meet the standard that has been set. It's interesting, right? We're always so obsessed and concerned about others, but we don't realize that that same measure by which we are applying to others is also being applied to us. 
And so God says, I want you to be aware of this, and I want you to be concerned about this, but I also want you to understand that there is a way to experience this that maybe you haven't considered just yet. I think we've all scrolled enough on social media to see that there are random acts of kindness that are getting a lot of views these days. People are funding acts of kindness. I didn't think this could be a thing, but it's a thing where people are giving people money to be kind to other people. Have you seen this? Literally tens of thousands of dollars where people are getting a car. People are getting a house. People are actually paying off debts or able to do things like pay for someone's operation. And it's all because of the acts of kindness. One person representing everyone else who is financially supporting that act of kindness so that person can get off the street, get that operation, stop having to ride their bike, finally live in a nice place. And then there's those other acts of kindness where you're asked to make a choice. It's like, get this or give it away. Take the $500 or give it to someone else. And you sometimes see people who take it and then others who give it away. Sometimes when they take it, they could have received even more, but they didn't know that because it was a social experiment meant to prove that sometimes what you take instead of giving away can actually be less than what happens when you act kindly to others even though you would be in need yourself. I think we've all seen these things and have kind of had a reaction towards that. I want to tell you a story that is found in the scriptures and it has to do with the life of King Saul. And as we look at the life of King Saul, I'm going to ask that you would just read this passage with me. And we're going to read through the whole thing, and then we're going to continue with our talk. And, and you'll see it in 1 Samuel 18, verses 1 to 16. I want you to get a full grasp of what we're looking at today. It says that David had finished talking with Saul, and he met Jonathan, the king's son, and there was an immediate bond between them, because Jonathan loved David. And from that day on, Saul kept David with him, and he wouldn't let him return home. And then Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. And then Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David together with his tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. And whatever Saul asked David to do, well, David did it successfully. And so Saul made him a commander over the men of war, an appointment that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. And when the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul, and they sang and they danced for joy with tambourines and even with cymbals. And this was their song, Saul has killed his thousands, and David, his ten thousands. And this made Saul very angry. What's this, he said? And, and they credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. And next, they'll be making him 
their king. And so from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. And the, never, and the very next day, there was a tormenting spirit from God that overwhelmed Saul, and he began to rave in his house like a madman. And David was playing the harp as he did each day. But Saul had a spear in his hand. And then he suddenly hurled it at David, intending to pin him to the wall. But David escaped him twice. And Saul was then afraid of David, for the Lord was with David and had turned away from Saul. And then finally Saul sent him away, and he appointed him commander over 1,000 men. And David faithfully led his troops into battle. And David continued to succeed in everything that he did, for the Lord was with him. And when Saul recognized this, he became even more afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he was so successful at leading his troops into battle. Now in this story, we're going to see uh, something that maybe we hadn't noticed before. And that is that uh, David actually knew Saul before he even went into battle against Goliath. A lot of people don't pick up on this. And so I want to highlight this because it's an important, important point today. When we want to defeat giants in our life, it is important to stay faithful to God regardless of the attacks that we're experiencing beforehand. And you'll see that Saul is trying to take David out even before he takes Goliath out. And there's something there for us to consider and to ponder because I think that our greatest acts of kindness are actually ahead of us and our most powerful moments are before us instead of us reflecting and thinking that they are behind us. In the story in which we're in, we see that there's other events that are happening, and one of them is that there is this bond that is forged and formed between Jonathan and David, a friendship that is so close that they make a pact with one another. They are instantly connected, and I think we can relate to that because there are times when we really connect with people. Like, we feel like we've met our person. Like, this is a person that we want to do life with. And it's heartbreaking when we can't do it with them. And this is what was happening between David and Jonathan. They wanted to be with each other, be friends, be in each other's company. But there was always this other person between them that was making them feel always like this was not the right thing. And that was King Saul. It kept interfering with their relationship. But more than that, it was interfering in a way that Saul had no idea was before him. The thing about this story is that David was spending time in the palace because Jonathan was his best friend, and, and then he was also going home. And what's cool to think about in this story is that as we're looking at this happening, as it's being described here, in between those times in which David could have stayed in the kingdom and in the palace, he had to go back home to still be a shepherd. And while he was serving his household and serving his father, Jesse, and, and, and serving all of his brothers as the youngest in his household, he was also having experiences where he had to come up against the bear and the lion which were preparations for the time in which he would have to come up against Goliath. 
And, and so Wiley found himself between two worlds, two places, and not fitting in either one of them, God was still with David. He was still blessing him, preparing him. He was still making sure that he would turn out to be the person and the leader that he needed to be. And think about how often in our own lives we find ourselves in between things. And how we don't feel welcome sometimes in either of those places. And David no longer felt at home in the palace. He never felt at home even in his own home. I think one of the greatest things about life is that we get to say this phrase, I'm going home. And just saying it brings me a measure and a level of safety and peace and security that sometimes this world cannot afford me. Anybody else feel like that? Just being able to say it. I mean, it doesn't matter what your home looks like. It doesn't matter what kind of disorder you're going into. It doesn't matter what kind of conflict that might be there. It is still better than anything else that is out there. There's this sense of home that we get when we say we're going home. And imagine being in a place in your life where nothing feels like home. That's what David was living. Except in his friendship with Jonathan. That's where he felt at home. And so his home became a person, you know? And it's interesting because in his place of, of kindness, the kindness that he was experiencing, it was from someone who had to also choose between honoring his father or honoring his friend. And what, what Jonathan was, was doing was, was put, he was put in an impossible situation. But you see, it wasn't always this complicated because there was a moment in which Saul was being ruled by kindness. In fact, the Bible tells us that that's exactly what happened when he makes a decision for David. He made it increasingly more difficult for David to actually go home. And so we see that he gets ruled by kindness, but for his son. And that's why I want to read to you this verse where it says that from that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And he, the Bible tells us that he did this because in the previous verse, there was an immediate bond between them for Jonathan loved David and David loved Jonathan. The Bible tells us that because of that bond and because of the impact that it was also having in his household, Saul made a decision and that decision was he was going to be ruled by kindness but for his son. And, and I think that we understand this. There are things that we do for our kids, those of us who have them, that you wouldn't do for anybody else. There's a, a measure of, of sacrifice and tolerance and acceptance. There's, there's things that you would do, you know, for your kids that you wouldn't do for anyone else. I think we understand that. And if we haven't literally experienced that, well, we, we still know this to be true when a person is good, when, they, when they're a, a, a loving father, a loving mother, when that person really wants to give everything to their children, we know that this is right. And instinctually, we know that if ever we have that opportunity, that we would be this way too. That we could maybe correct the things of the past that we didn't get to experience in our own life, but that we would be able to be different in the way that we would deal not only with our children, but someone else's child. Maybe in a blended home, in a blended family, maybe even in a situation where you are fostering or where you're 
there to care and be a neighbor and a friend to someone else's child and be that person who mentors them and equips them and helps them and even sometimes financially supports them because this is the acts of kindness that God has put on your own heart to do. Well, the Bible says that Saul took the steps to be kind for his son and wanted David to be in his house. There's a second instance in where Saul was still being kind. It tells us that he was ruled by kindness even for his people. The Bible says that David, even before he became jealous of him, he was also proud of him. And he was proud of having David in his house and in his household. He was proud of who David was and what he was doing and what he was accomplishing. And in verse 5, it says that whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. So why wouldn't you want someone like this in your house, under your command? It's like he's the best person to have around. He's a person who not only listens but executes. Every task you give him, he does it exceptionally well. It brings success every time he touches whatever it is that he's given. And so Paul, in this story, Saul, excuse me, different guy, different story. I don't know where I went with that. But Saul made him a commander over the men of war. And what he does is that he appoints him as someone who's going to be in charge of his army. And what's cool about this is that he he didn't even trust him before um, to go and fight against Goliath. But now he's trusting him with his armies. And we can see that what David has done is that he has continuously grown also in the eyes of Saul. And then we do that too, like we recognize talent when we see it. But we also see the brokenness that sometimes accompanies that talent. We see someone as being raw and unrefined, someone who has as much to unlearn as they have learned. Someone who is changing, but man, is there still a lot of change that needs to take place. Someone who has a lot of potential, but hasn't yet achieved it to the level that they could, because there's still things holding them back. Have you ever identified that in yourself and in others? Of course you have, because we are better scouts than we realize. We are better at rating people than we give ourselves credit for. The problem is that we don't pay attention to our instincts. We don't pay attention to our experience, and we certainly don't always pay attention to the Holy Spirit that's warning us and guiding us as we find ourselves in front of people. Well, Saul still has the Spirit of God with him. And he sees that he's got a good thing with David. So he makes sure that not only is he a good thing for him, he's a good thing for his son, it's a good thing for his palace, it's a good thing for his kingdom, it's a good thing for his army. He's seeing how all of the things that David is good at is also bringing him success. And this tells us that No one can rule a kingdom, and no one can experience success in their life, which is your kingdom, 
unless you are blessed and surrounded by kindness and kind people and people who are consecrated and dedicated and committed to serving the Lord. You have those people in your life. You don't want to lose them. You don't want to see them go back home. You don't want to see them not be around your child. You don't want to see that influence not there. You want your son to become the next best king that he can be. So you're going to make sure that David is going to spend as much time with Jonathan as possible because he's such a good influence on him. And you're going to see these things and you're going to notice these things. You're going to recognize these things, not only in yourself, but in those around you. But there comes a moment where David stops caring about what Saul thinks and just starts caring only about what God thinks. And I think that's a big, big differentiator for us today. I think many of us stop being successful because we start caring too much about the person who we thought we could respect and honor and give our lives towards because now they're turning against us. And I don't know how David does it, to be honest. I mean, when someone is for you, it's easy to serve that person. But when they turn against you, like, how do you keep serving? How do you keep being kind? When someone hates you so much and is so jealous of you, how do you keep being successful? And then I think what David shows us is that his success wasn't dependent on Saul. His success was dependent on the God who appointed Saul to be king. And I want you to think about that in your own life. Like if you're not experiencing the measure of success that you know you should have at this point in your life, maybe it has something to do with you keeping your eye on men and women in your life instead of the Lord God Almighty. Instead of having his favor, you've been seeking out the favor of others above that of the Lord. So there's something that happens in Saul's life. It's a turning point from Saul. <clears throat> the turning point is that he's now ruled by kindness, but he's ruled by kindness, but for himself. He, he stopped being ruled by kindness for his son, and he stopped being ruled for, by kindness for his people. Because his people praised him when he did these things and put David in charge of his armies. All of his counselors were like, that's a good choice. You're doing the right thing. There's no one better than David in our kingdom. But then there's a moment in which he starts to think more about himself. And then the Bible says that this can happen to all of us. And we've got to watch out for this turning point because this is where things turn away from kindness and towards jealousy instead. Now, if you haven't paid attention to anything I've said up until now, now is the time to wake up and to start paying attention. Are you with me? Are you with me? 
Okay. Because now, all of a sudden, Saul starts to think about himself, and not for the better. In verse 8, it says that Saul became very angry about the way that people loved David more than him, and they were making songs about him, and they were attributing battles to him that were not being attributed to Saul, where David was being talked about for his victory over ten thousands and only thousands for Saul. And it says that from that moment on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. And it says that the very next morning, an evil spirit came into him. Now, I want you to see the shift and then what happens. Now, we think that, you know, sometimes there are going to be moments in my life where I'm going to be jealous and times when I'm going to be envious. Times where I'm not obviously going to be kind, and times where that I'm not going to be at my best. But what we don't imagine, and what we don't see, what we don't envision, is that an evil spirit can actually accompany that. The story that we're in tells us a very, very important warning. It's saying, hey, listen, you leave jealousy unchecked. You don't know this, but what happens next is that something evil comes in you, and the next thing you know, you are raving like a madman. It is that insidious. It is that unnoticeable. It is so hidden to your perceptions, but it isn't in terms of your reactions. And the Bible says that Saul wasn't even aware that this was happening to him. All he knew was that he was different, and he was getting angrier and eviler. He was, I don't even know if eviler is a word, but he, he, was, he was just getting worse. He wasn't getting any better. And, and I think that sometimes we notice that shift in us. Like, why am I obsessing over this? Come on, have you ever obsessed over a person? Like, obsessed over an event? And did that somehow maybe lead to, to, to a level of, of just jealousy and envy and, and anger and hatred? And then all of a sudden, you're not your same person anymore. You don't even realize why you are the way you are, but it's because of the way those thoughts have been leading you down this path. And now you look at yourself and you're unrecognizable to yourself. And people look at you and they're not telling you to your face, but they, they want to tell you you're crazy. <laughs> they do. They want to tell you. They want to shout it in your face. They tell, you're acting crazy. And sometimes the most bold among us will, will, will love a person enough to say, hey, you're acting crazy right now. You're being crazy. Your thoughts are driving you crazy. And you're driving me crazy too. Sometimes a person will tell us that we're obsessing about the wrong things and we're not putting the emphasis on the right things. That we're putting our attention on persons and people instead of the Lord and the success that he alone can bring, and the kindness that he can restore, and the spirits that he can cast out, and the good things that he can bring back in to take their place, where he can increase and we decrease, and the things that are wrong leave us, and we never pay attention to them again because we're having too much success going forward. 
God is saying, do you want your life to be different? Well, then let's learn from, from Saul's life. The Bible says that here is David who always played music in the palace, always sang songs. He always did this. He wasn't doing anything different. But now Saul needs it for a different purpose. Saul now needs David to sing songs and to play music because the evil in him is increasing. And the only way that he can somehow have moments of sanity from the every moments of madness is when David is worshiping the Lord. And, and, it's, and it's really bad. You know you're far gone when you can't worship the Lord yourself and you need to be in the presence of only someone else who can. You know there's something wrong within you and something wrong with you. And you know that things are not right when you don't miss the house of the Lord. When you don't miss worshiping the Lord. When you don't miss being in communion and in fellowship with, with Jesus. You know there's something that's not right with us when we don't care about those things. When they don't matter to us. But then when we're in the presence of it, it touches us. It impacts us. We get feels, we get feelings. And we're like, what is this? What's happening? How come I'm reacting? How come I'm responding? How come, how come it's in this moment when someone else is worshiping that this is happening? And I want you to understand that God wants you to get to the place where your worship is no longer dependent on what's happening at River's Edge or another church. It isn't happening because of the person you're listening to or the music that you're following. It is happening because you have a relationship with the living God and his name is Jesus Christ. And wherever you are, wherever you go, it doesn't matter what other people are doing, what they're saying, what, what's happening. What matters is what's happening in you. You see, kindness isn't something that is done to you. Kindness is what comes out of you. And kindness comes out of you, even when people are throwing spears at you. The scriptures say that, that David had to evade the spears of Saul. And then when that happened, you know what David realizes? He realizes that God is with him, protecting him. And that he, he needs to keep doing what he's doing. You know what Saul realizes? Saul realizes that God is with David and he isn't with him. Saul makes the most important realization in his life. He's like, every time I try to kill David, I can't do it. Every time I set him up for failure, he just has more success. Every time I hate him more, that guy prospers. Every time I try to kill him, he becomes bigger than life. Wow, that tells me that I want to be the person who lives out the kindness of Jesus Christ no matter what the circumstances of my life are. And what this story reminds us is that we have to be aware and awake so that we don't do the very things that Saul here is doing. Imagine that when your observations change from kindness to jealousy, 
that we can sometimes not even perceive it, not even notice that it's happening. I mean, I don't know what your level of tolerance is for people. Maybe it changes depending on what you're going through. But I've always admired people who could just sit with someone and just listen to them and just, just hear their story. Sometimes them repeat that story over and over and over again. I watched my mom do this with, with her mom. It got to a point where my grandmother had uh, dementia and she was just repeating herself. Have you ever dealt with someone like that? And, I, and I, I saw my mom with such tenderness and kindness, even though she had heard the stories just a few seconds ago. Kept reacting with kindness as though she had just said it for the very first time. Because for my grandmother, in her mind, in her life, she was saying it for the first time. And, and I looked at that and I said, I will never be like that. <laughs> I will never be able to do that. And now I listen to people for a living. <laughs> because, because it was modeled for me in my own home. I, I'm a person who listens more than talks because I saw what it meant to be with someone who kept talking all the time. And how important it was to just listen. You know, when you listen, you create gaps where you don't realize this, but people reveal more. The silences that you provide are moments where they decide that this is a moment that they can fill with some more information. And over and over again, you're going to realize that, that what God wants to do is he wants to turn your heart away from jealousy and towards kindness instead away from frustration, away from hatred, and he wants you to have a heart that is kind. Listen, this story tells me something really important, and I, and I hope they put this on the screen because I think it's really key. Jealousy will make you believe that God is more for others than he is for you. Because if you're spending so much time thinking about another person, that means you think that God's not spending any time on you. And you've, you've already bought into the lie. You already believe that God cares about someone else more than he cares about you. And, and if you believe that, then here's what's going to happen. You're going to walk in the direction of that lie. And, and instead of you becoming a kinder, person, you're just going to become more jealous. And God wants to disrupt that in your life. He wants to change that. And here's the next thing I want to tell you is that Saul's grip on success got weaker and David's grip became stronger every time Saul became jealous. Saul's jealousy actually made David more successful. The anointing that was on Saul, the Bible tells us, gets transferred to David. Even before he stops being king. Hey, I don't know about you, but I don't want that to happen in my life. 
I, I don't want God to bless someone else because I can't get my act together. Because I am too busy being jealous and hating, and I'm too busy having murderous thoughts and throwing spears at people so that other people hate that person as much as I do. See, we don't realize it, but when we're jealous, that's what we're doing. We're throwing spears. But God doesn't want you to be that person, doesn't want you to act this way. Because what he's trying to tell us that if you want someone to be more successful, then just start becoming jealous of them. Who wants, to, who wants to fulfill this outcome here? Anybody in the room? I want you to think about this because every time you become jealous of someone, God is saying, I'm going to make them more successful. So that you understand that jealousy isn't what is going to get you successful. Kindness is. Can we say amen to that? Amen. Come on. Are you guys ready to do some of this stuff or what? I know it's not going to be easy. I know. I know that it's going to take all of our effort. But here's the thing. Whatever our effort comes up short, the presence of God takes over. And takes us the rest of the way. If you want God to bless you, then you've got to be ruled by kindness. That has to become the next thing that becomes your obsession. Whatever you've been obsessing about, stop. And start obsessing about kindness. Can we say amen to that? Start obsessing about kindness. When you start obsessing about kindness, here's what's going to happen. God is going to give you more success. He's going to have no time to bless others because he'll be too busy blessing you. Too busy making your life amazing. Too busy giving you more because you can be trusted with it. Too busy giving you the kinds of successes that people will sing songs about you. Who wants a song named after them? Anybody here? It may not be your goal in life, but if it happens, you're like, wow, yeah, I'll take that. And then when people ask you one day, and they'll say, hey, how come you are so successful today? You'll be able to say, well, you see, there was a day when I chose to stop being jealous. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening and God bless you immensely.